Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program. We are the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools and we're here every Saturday at 12 noon to defend and to promote public education. Every week we usually give you a definition of what public education is to make sure that there's no misunderstanding. It has nothing to do with private education. But we don't need to do that this week because... This definition is part and parcel of our next press release. And this press release is on www.adogs.info and it's press release 595. And here it is. Funding private schools is always a private and never a public good. In recent weeks... The reaction of the Australian Education Union and public school interest groups to the Victorian government's favoured treatment of the Catholic education system in Victoria, with capital grants for its expansion policy, and also, of course, the 25% of what it costs to put a government school child through education, that's now going to go with no questions asked to the Catholic Education Office, and people are not happy about it. This has led the Catholic Education Office head to trot out the old specious private school arguments. Stephen Elder, who is the head of Catholic Education Office in Victoria, on online opinion, claims that, listen to this, funding private schools is a public good. And without a strong Catholic system, I am here I'm here actually quoting him. Without a strong Catholic system, many public schools would buckle under the strain of larger class sizes and increased teacher workloads would inevitably lead to a decrease in results. Mm-hmm. And then in a later um, online opinion uh, response to when people jumped up and down about this, uh, he made some further specious arguments. But I'll continue with our press release. Even though Stephen Elder, who's the promoter of a sectarian education system, labelled his opponents sectarian, this is the old way of doing things for them, the opponents merely ignored it and they pressed on with facts and figures from the My School website. So we're now finding out what a good thing Julia Gillard did when she refused to be bullied by the Stephen Elders of this world and she stuck to her guns and she got that My School website up. Facts and figures, she said. Now, as always, dogs want to point out that private schools can never 
deliver a public good and their duplication of public facilities is grossly uneconomic as well as socially divisive. Why? Because only public schools are public in purpose and outcome. Private religious schools are private in both purpose and their sectarian in outcome. Above all, only public schools are public in access and open to all children. And only the public schools can and should be publicly owned, controlled and accountable for public monies. And both governments and private school parents are making a bad investment. And a bit later in this program, you can listen to Chris Bonner on 60 Minutes last week uh, making this argument. And then Robert will be discussing it with you. Dogs also point out that if the duplication of public school facilities by private religious groups was assessed and unnecessary private schools taken over by the state, we pay for them already, you know, and they were... um, rationalised, we'd have a first-rate public education system and we might, we just might have a genuine independent school system too. But other public school interest groups have taken up the cudgels beside the dogs and they've answered Stephen Elder on his facts and his figures. And this is the most interesting one. It appeared in response on online opinion. Because these days, listeners, we all know that if you want to know what's really happening, you get onto the internet. And this is what Bernie Shepherd said. Elder made the following claim, funding private schools is a public good. But the latest My School data shows, according to Stephen Elder, that if governments were forced to pick up the cost of educating the one in four students who attend the 493 Catholic schools in Victoria, the bill would be huge. That's what Stephen Elder claims. But there's a question about that. And he claims, listen to this, this is Stephen Elder, claiming that on current figures, close to $3 over the school life of a child who began PrEP this year would be the cost. But you see, other people know how to read figures and how to read my school. The Catholic Education Office, for 40 or 50 years, have been great dissemblers. It is something that, in fact, some religious people really do specialise in. I won't say that they tell lies, but they do dissemble, and they certainly use numbers in a very strange way. But There are people now who know all about figures and they can see them on the MySchool website. So Bernie Shepherd says this, to the extent that they can be clearly understood, these figures invite some close examination against the most recent MySchool data published earlier this year. The finance data relates to 2013 and there are some 474 Victorian Catholic schools with data reported for 2013, not 493, 474. So I don't know what happened to the other 19, whether they just refused to put their numbers in. So the enrolment, the finances and the index of community socio-educational advantage is up on the website. Many of the schools with incomplete data are sub-campuses of the 474. So the available data is actually very comprehensive. 
representing well in excess of 95% of Victorian Catholic schools. Now, in his quote, Mr Elder hypothesises some cataclysmic change of will or circumstances in which responsibility for Victorian Catholic schools passes from the Catholic authorities to the government. How this might come about in practical terms is unclear, but let's assume that he means that Catholic schools will be transferred entirely to the public purse, currently a complex mix of state and federal funding, which would need to be adjusted to allow for all sorts of other things. In that case, if they be effectively government schools, fees would become voluntary. So Mr Elder probably believes that the outcome of such a move would be that the average per student recurrent funding of all Victoria's Catholic schools from all government sources, which is around um, 9,268 in, two, in 2013 per student, would rise to meet the corresponding figure in government schools, which was also about um, 9,598 in 2013. So applied across the board, that would mean that he expects a rise of about $330 per student, which is a total of $65.6 million in 2013 that the government would have to find. If that is indeed Mr Elder's expectation, then he's mired in the same statistical fallacy that private school advocates frequently drift into by believing that they actually save the government vast amounts of money. They don't. From the outset, we need to understand that the two system averages cannot be validly compared. The funding of Victorian government schools supports a total enrolment in which, for example, 30% in government schools are from the most disadvantaged quarter of the school population and only 19% are from the most advantaged. That's in government schools. But it's the opposite in the Catholic education system. Only 9% are from the most disadvantaged while 39% are from the most advantaged. In a scenario where government will assume responsibility for Catholic schools, fairness and logic dictates that it would fund those schools in the same way as government schools, with students of the same degree of need and advantage are funded. Parents may or may not choose to make their voluntary contributions, as in the case of government schools. And in the table that he's presented, you can see that government, Victoria's government and Catholic schools are divided into bands according to their area of need. Um, and this can be taken as an inverse proxy for educational need. So um, Bernie Shepherd is looking at need, which uh, the dogs are interested in, but they don't believe that this is the main reason for having government schools at all. The main reason for having government schools is that all children have access, whatever their parental background. But um, Bernie Shepherd is meeting Mr Elder on his facts and figures, and he's saying that telling the costs and savings in each of the categories of need, we find that rather than costing the government more, the scenario that's posed by Mr Elder would have saved the public purse about $56 million in 2013. So listeners, what the uh, needs policy people are now arguing is that if the governments took over large numbers of the uh, state's Catholic schools, then it would save 
the government $53 million. And this is what the dogs would argue too, of course, because we have a ridiculous amount of duplication of facilities in our, our education system. And they used the duplication argument against the government schools in the 1990s and closed lots and lots of our government schools. Thanks, Mr Kennett. And now we realise that we should never have done it. But uh, the way the needs policy people uh, online have fought back is very interesting indeed. And I'd like to um, read from some of their comments. There's a David F., who on Monday the 20th of April 2015 had this to say to Mr Elder. The public schools are for the public. Non-public schools, that's private schools by the way, are for those who wish to avoid the public schools and segregate their children from the rest of the Australian public. Other purposes are indoctrination of religion and lessening the possibility of intermarriage with Australians of other backgrounds. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely no reason that their choice should be funded by taxpayer money. If Catholic schools get 90% of what the public schools get from the government, it is 90% too much. We will have a better society if children of different backgrounds learn together, grow up together and work together. So I thought that was a very interesting one, and that actually is the dog's position. So we are heartened to find that there's a surprising number of listeners and other people out there who take the dog's, to, um, dog's position seriously. As well as that, I like this one by somebody who called themselves Bunyip, again on Monday the 20th of April. Mr Elder needs to check his facts before continuing to launch into print, Mr Bunyip says. His April the 1st contribution to online opinion contained a number of errors, some of which are addressed in my blog at www.edmediawatch.com. Rather than representing a saving, the amount given by governments to run Victorian Catholic schools each year is over $50 million more than that given to similar government schools. And as for his current article, I can't comment on his guerrilla warfare with the Australian Education Union, but once again he's used misleading information. Some Catholic schools do sit shoulder to shoulder with government schools in disadvantaged areas, but they actually enrol kids who, even in those areas, are more advantaged. Anyone with the time can check this on my school. But his biggest error is his claim that Victorian Catholic schools still operate on 10% less resources than government schools. If he is referring to recurrent funding, and he doesn't say, this is not the case. My school shows that when you compare groups of schools enrolling similar students, which is a far more honest comparison, Catholic schools operate on a net recurring income per student, which is mostly higher than that available to government schools. And the reality is that the availability of school data on my school has started to change the debate and Mr Elder needs to catch up. And I find this all very interesting indeed. For three years, teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government-funded 
primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. Our education is not for profit. Our education is not for profit. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Thanks for that. You're listening to the Dogs Program, Defence of Government Schools. It's Jean, myself, Robert and Dale, and we're here to defend state education as we are every week. Yet, uh, Jean has given a very interesting in-depth analysis of what Stephen Elder has kicked off as a debate. Um, Stephen Elder, of course, says that funding Catholic schools not only is a public good, but saves the public money along the way. And, of course, we have on this show, and, of course, many other people have, fundamentally dismantled his arguments. It's interesting because Stephen Elder, and to quote from him directly, says that following his diatribe, or of course I shouldn't call it a diatribe, following his opinion piece on the online opinion website, um, he, says, he says the points that he makes um, come complete with a warning for the Gonski cheer squad, he says, still clinging to a noble but ultimately lost cause and the anti-parent choice brigade, he says. He sounds quite triumphant, doesn't he? Here at the Dogs, I suppose he would describe us as an anti-parent choice brigade. The only argument that he puts forward in his article, of course, is the efficiency argument. Actually, I'll, I'll wear that one, Robert. Well, I, I just think that you can call someone anti-parent choice or you can call someone who, who wants full choice for all parents, not just those who happen to come from a police particular religious denomination. It, it, it's really quite strange. Um, but the, us, as I suppose, the anti-parent choice brigade, he's, all his arguments are arguments for efficiency. He says, we, we save the government money, and so therefore it's all a good thing. Um, we do deal with all those poor people, but we'll only deal with it in a charitable way. We won't allow a student who's born in Australia, or a child who's born in Australia, to have the right like the right as a potential citizen who votes later in life, as a citizen of Australia, the right to an excellent education. We're going to provide them an education, but only as a matter of a charitable act because we're good Christians. I, I find that, that, that those two ideas, the idea of charitably dealing with the poor in education and efficiently providing services for the government, I find both of those arguments not only specious but slightly distasteful. Because the Catholic Education Office, I would say, amongst all the independent schools, um, is a non-transparent, a very opaque organisation. He tells us that within the Catholic education system, we do do deal with funding on a needs basis. But how would I know? How would I know? That's, that's just something they do away from the public gaze with public money. It's not at all accountable. And whether indeed it's effective is a big question too because the effectiveness argument is addressed directly by Trevor Cobalt and many, many other researchers who state and will we'll keep stating and we will keep stating that sending your child to a private school provides you with no net benefit. It does provide you with a significantly lower bank balance but it provides you with no net And it provides the society with a very divided society and groups that uh, feel that they can discriminate 
actively against others. Absolutely. And actually, it's discriminating actively against children. Yes. For those Australians, of course, that do buy into the argument that private schooling is better, they put themselves in a position where they're being marketed at. It's a marketplace. And the marketplace of private education has now got to a point where it's a very mature marketplace, such that there's a great deal of um, independent school discounting going on. Now, Henrietta Cook, to my mind, wrote a seminal article in The Age last week. I think this is probably one of the most important articles in the public-private debate that's happened for many, many decades. And it's not a question of religion or values. It's not a question of, of faith. It's a question that the private schools now have a problem very much in the financial sphere, which is playing out in what you would call a mature marketplace because there's some discounting going on. Now, I'm going to ask Dale to fill us in on this particular article, which I think is important. And one of the most hopeful articles, one of the most brilliant articles, I think, and what it's talking about gives a great deal of hope to public school students and public school advocates. Can you tell us a little bit more, Dale? Thanks, Rob. I've got an article here by Henrietta Cook from The Age, Monday, April 20th, entitled uh, Private Schools Are Luring Parents with Discounts. Private schools are enticing a growing number of parents with, a dis- with discounted fees as the competition for students heats up. Last-minute booking website School Places offers discounts of up to 50% at 30 Victorian private schools from up from 11 schools when the site was launched a year ago. However, some say the discounting is creating tensions between families who have, who have reduced fees and those who have to pay full fees. Independent Schools Victoria Chief Executive Michelle Green said while parents supported fee, dis- fee discounts for needy students, discounting fees for others could create some concern. It's a delicate balancing act. I do think it's difficult value. Prop- it's a difficult value proposition if parents feel others are not paying the same, she said. The website's chief executive, Natalie Mactier, said parents were trying to make a private school education more affordable. Parents are shopping around and comparing affordability. It's a very competitive market for private schools right now. The discounts range from 10% to 50% over one to six years of tuition costs. Miss Macdia said the site helped control fee increases by creating revenue for schools that would otherwise be forfeited. Parents who use the site to snap up a Year 9 spot at Shelford Girls Grammar School in Caulfield will save 30% over three years, or $21,702, while Oakley Grammar is offering a 25% discount over three years for families who enrol their children in Year 9. Oakley Grammar Marketing Officer Amy Coleman said the school used the site to reach out to new audiences. The school rebranded itself in 2011, changing its name from Oakley Greek Orthodox College and became a grammar college. It exposes us to parents who may not have otherwise known about us or have a dated perception. Now they can look at Oakley Grammar and say, maybe we can give it a shot. Recent figures from the Australian Bureau of Statistics show the shift from state schools to non-government schools has halted for the first time in almost four decades. Glenn Savage, a researcher and lecturer in education policy at Melbourne University, said Australian schooling was increasingly marketised and competitive. 
Parents are very savvy in choosing schools these days and adopt a range of strategies to, con- to secure the best deal, Dr Savage said. If a student has a discounted place offered to them for several years through the website, then the child is essentially receiving the same education at a lower price than other students enrolled at the same school. St Michael's Grammar School head Simon Gibson said his school had no need to discount fees to attract last-minute enrolments. We made a deliberate decision, so the only fee discounts we give are for siblings, he said. An absolutely fascinating article. I find that, and I'm sure many listeners will agree, that on the surface of it, it's just a story about how various businesses are competing in a marketplace. But I think this has deep, deep implications for the way this whole public-private question is going to be played out into the future. Because what has happened within this process, and I think um, what the researcher from Melbourne University was saying, is that there is now no longer a shift in terms of parents enrolling their children in private schools rather than state schools. That shift has changed. That shift has stopped. In fact, the shift is now back to state schools. Parents are working out in very simple terms, not in questions of religious values or or anything else other than financial acumen, that if they enrol their child in a state school and then put effort and energy into the school that their child goes to, they're giving their child the best possible chance for an education. Money and facilities that the private schools have to compete with each other are going to become more and more uh, irrelevant in terms of parental choice because over the period of time since John Howard introduced his SES funding model and allowed private schools to open up in this highly competitive marketplace, we have a large number of independent schools which are competing with each other using marketing strategies and facilities to attract parents as as you would in any free and, and fair uh, open market. However, education is not a free market. Education never was a free market. Education is a public good. Education is the right of every citizen. It behooves, and I hate to use that word, it behooves a country to educate its population to the best standard it possibly can because that is the best investment a country can make in its own future. And that is exactly what Australia is not doing. But aspirational parents and I often talk about the middle-class aspirational parents here on the DOG program, aspirational parents over the last two years have finally woken up. To spend half a million dollars to educate your child from prep to year 12 in a primary and secondary education is not necessarily a useful investment to send your child to a state school, thereby expending significantly less money and then putting that money aside for your child's tertiary education is a far more useful way of doing it and parents are waking up. There is now the question of state schools being good state schools and bad state schools. But that's, I think, a debate for the future. But at the moment, at the moment, private education systems, highly debt-leveraged private education schools and systems are panicking. They're panicking, and the way they respond is the way anyone in a marketplace would respond, which would be to discount. If they discount, then the parents who are paying full fees will start to get a bit grumpy. And those parents who are paying all that money and getting a bit grumpy are likely to start to break ranks. Not only just the parents, but the teachers as well. 
And in relation to this, it's, it's rather interesting to go away from the financial arguments back to the values arguments. And there is a quite disturbing story about a particular religious school which has decided that all the girls in the school, all the females in the school, should not be allowed to run. Because if they run, then they might get injured and it might affect their potential future fertility. I thought it was their virginity. Well, it's their virginity and their fertility. It's a very strange story. Um, it's a very strange story. And it comes from an Islamic school, the Al-Taqwa College, where girls in this primary school have been banned from running over fear of losing future fertility and indeed of fears of um, in some way affecting their virginity. It's quite strange. This is the same school, by the way, where the principal was asked to have a please explain when he described to the population of the school that um, the war against Islamic State over in Syria and Iraq was in fact a plot by the CIA. Well, I'm a bit concerned here, Robert, that um, they're prepared to question this kind of religious school, but they're not questioning what's going on in a lot of other religious schools. I, th- I tend to where, agree with you, Jane. I, I, yes, I do tend to I, agree with I, you. I'm a little bit concerned that there is, um, at the moment, in the press, uh, because we're, we're actually officially at war, that... Um, there is a targeting of particular religious schools because I think if you went into other religious schools, you would find that there are some very strange um, versions of the curricula. And uh, I'm very concerned too about what actually goes on with discrimination against people who apply for jobs or even children who are sent uh, to have um, IQ tests, for example, at the um, Catholic University. Um, this story, I, I think it is, it is a worry, but I'm even more worried at the way uh, particular groups, particular religious groups, are being targeted. And we wouldn't need to do this if all of these children were in public schools. This would not even be a question. There would be a set curriculum which everybody agreed to and religious opinions and so on would be the choice of the parents and that's where it belongs. I've had my say. Oh, thank you very much. And you're listening to The Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. It is worth pointing out at this point that what I'm talking about in terms of this old Tukwa College and the issues that are raised there and what Jean's talking about in terms of people being sent off to various religious-based tertiary institutions for IQ testing, and there are problems involved in that, that the religious values permeate the decisions that are made. And they are allowed to under law in Victoria because religious institutions who run education organisations are exempt from the anti-discrimination laws of this country. They are exempt from the anti-discrimination laws of this state. And I'd like to also say that these schools uh, and representatives of these schools spent 26 days in the High Court of Australia claiming that they didn't know the, ne- the meaning of permeation, uh, that their curricula were very little different from what was in, taught in state schools and that, in fact, they were no more religious than state schools. So I find um, this of great interest indeed. And if you actually questioned a lot of these schools and what they did there, they would scream religious freedom. But in f- the fact that we are being forced to pay taxes to 
pay for these schools is in fact the real issue of religious freedom. Yes, indeed. You listen to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcasts. Workers United will never be defeated. May Day Celebrations 2015. International Workers Day. May Day Film Night. Tuesday, 6.30pm, 28th of April. Democratic Workers League. 583 High Street, Norcott. Wreath laying at the 8-hour monument on Thursday the 30th of April at 5pm. Victoria Parade, adjacent to Trades Hall. The May Day Multicultural Event, Thursday the 30th of April at 6.30pm, Vela Union, Trace Hall. The May Day March, Sunday 3rd of May, assembling at 1pm on the corner of Victoria and Russell Streets, opposite Trades Hall. The May Day Concert, Sunday 3rd of May, is straight after the march on a speaker's platform. Everyone welcome. Workers united will never be defeated. El pueblo unido jamás será vencido. 3CR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. Just 25 bucks each. These are traditional scarves available in red and black, or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. Returning once more to the idea of school choice being some sort of theological mantra, um, there's been some interesting movement. Dogs aren't the only people that, that are now concerned about these issues. These issues are now hitting the mainstream stream media, even indeed the commercial television organisations. Um, we'd just like to draw our listeners' attention to a very interesting interview with Chris Bonner on a, on a little program on Channel 9, I think it's called 60 Minutes. This is what he had to say. It's really quite fascinating. To do private schooling or not to do private schooling? What's the answer? Yeah, that's a big question. Well, people like to stay with their Rassadon beliefs about schools, uh, but the research clearly shows that academic outcomes are not significantly different between different brands of schools. It shows us that in the early years of university, students from government schools, public schools do better. And really beyond university in terms of vocation and income levels, it doesn't show big differences between young people depending on the school that they went to. Do you think that would come as a surprise to many parents? I think it would surprise people because it goes against the sort of urban myth about uh, the importance of the brand of school that you, your kids go to and their trajectory after school and through university. If at the end of the day the results are the same or that in fact kids coming from state schools, government schools are doing better at university, then what does that tell you about the money being spent on private schools? It suggests that it might be a bad investment. Don't get me wrong, I mean there'll be some private schools that are good schools where it would be a very, very good investment, where the returns in terms of student results and other things might be there. But uh, if you're asking if the money could be better spent elsewhere, I suggest it probably could. The private school landscape is a very attractive one, isn't it? And the schools look beautiful. Sure. The marketing of those schools is very effective. You, you believe you're getting a better product. 
Are you telling me that that's all wrong? I think it makes a difference when it comes to marketing the school because these schools are in intense competition with each other to attract the students that they want. But the point is that in terms of student results, the answer is no because advantaged schools, advantaged private schools in particular, that invest heavily in these resources are not delivering the results that are on a par with those coming out of public schools which enrol similar students. So they're spending the money in the wrong place? They're spending money in things that appeal to parents and I understand that and some people may want to go to those schools because of those resources but what it means is that a substantial amount of the money must be spent in other than resources that improve teaching or improve student outcomes. And it's hardly surprising because high-fee schools especially are in fierce competition with each other and it's a facilities competition. It's a sort of like a resources auction to pull in the families that, uh, that they're competing for. But uh, we can't pretend that this investment is a good one for the whole country in terms of student results because those results aren't going up. So in your view, if the results are no better, are private schools a waste of money? Well, the bottom line is results. This is what, I mean, we send our our young people to school to be educated. If those results are no different, then it's a waste of money. Parents really have to consider if investing that money in schools is worth it. The results and the research tells us no. Which seems to us, and thanks very much, Chris, that... That, that interview seems to reinforce what Henrietta Cook and Dahl were saying earlier about the idea of parents actually going, hang on, I've got half a million dollars, how am I going to spend it? Shall I be a good aspirational spender and believe all the marketing hype and send my child to a fee-paying private school? Or shall I indeed put that money in the bank and think very carefully about a good state school? a good state school that I can enrol my child in. And more and more, certainly the statistics are now showing over the last two years, parents are choosing the values of inclusivity um, and the values of saving their money perhaps for some future rainy day because that's when their children, after they're educated in a good state school, are going to need it. You're listening to The Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. And let's have a little music and we shall continue on with more news, reviews and, and ideas. A discussion of ideas on 3 Community Radio, 3CR 855, on the AM dial and podcast.
Yes, Pachelbel's canon to calm, calm everyone down after all the terrible things we've been talking about with confused values from Stephen Elder and various other people. And, of course, Chris Bonner, an interesting extract there from a recording from the 60 Minutes program aired on Sunday the 19th of April. Um, we've been talking about values, but let's just go back to a big discussion, I think, a big discussion that we've had over the weeks about what's going on with TAFE here in Victoria, what's going on with technical and further education. The Labor government and then the Liberal government following that here in the state have been very, very keen to privatise as much of TAFE as they possibly can, taking it out of the public sphere and giving it to private providers, whose main interest, of course, being a private provider, is to generate a profit. So how do you generate a profit? Well, it's very simple. If you're in business, you create a service that people want for the, for the, for the smallest price possible, thereby maximising for your shareholders the amount of money that they receive. Now, there is a particular training organisation called Vocation. They're a very large training organisation, and they've run into a few problems. It started at the beginning of the year in January when their CEO actually had to resign. But what's happened is that the product that they're producing, the commodity which they as a business are producing – has got some faults with it. It has some flaws to the point where the people who've consumed that product, which is education, apparently. I'm being facetious, by the way. Education is not a good. Education is a right. Education is a public good, not a private good. But there's been a problem, and Dale, I think, is going to fill us on. I actually find this disgusting. It, mm. it actually disgusts me. What, what Dale's about to tell us about. But without any further ado, and let's not hear my opinions. Let's let's hear what's going on. Thanks, Rob. I've got an article here from Consumer Affairs reporter Josie Taylor uh, from ABC entitled Hundreds of Vocation Private Training College Graduates Forced to Hand Back Qualifications. Private Training College Vocation has been forced to recall more than 1,000 of its qualifications, including hundreds in childcare and aged care, after Victorian regulators found the courses were substandard. Almost 200 students who completed a Certificate Level 3 in childcare, 250 students who completed a Certificate Level 3 in aged care, and 383 students with a double qualification of business studies will have to hand back their qualifications and inform, inform their employers. A total of 832 students who all studied with vocation in Melbourne between January and June last year are affected. Graduate Tracy Martin just learned she would have to hand back her Certificate 3 in aged care. She is employed at a nursing home and is uncertain about what retraining she will now need. I've been working in the industry for the last seven months, she said. I really don't know what it is that I need to redo. It could be a few hours' work. It could be a month or so. I've got no idea and they're not telling us. This latest audit by the Victorian Registration and Qualification Authority follows an investigation last year which found about 6,000 students had studied substandard courses. More than 3,500 qualifications were recalled and vocation was forced to repay $19.6 million in state government funding. The Victorian Education Department said it, it was still in discussions with vocation about the return of government funding for qualifications recalled in April 2015, but the ABC understands the bill could be as high as $2.5 million. Vocation was the first private college to list on the Australian Stock Exchange and is yet to inform the market about this latest recall. This morning it was trading at $0.16 cents per share, well down from its high of $3.30 in September 2014. 
In a statement, Vocation said the company announced to ASX on March 2nd, 2015, that there remained a number of regulatory audits either in progress or with outcomes pending and likely to be concluded in the near term. The company is still in discussions with the regulator regarding how much money will be repaid. A spokesman for the Victorian Department of Education and Training said eight early childhood services and four aged care homes had indicated they employ staff affected by the recall of qualifications. The department is supporting students who wish to continue working in these sectors by arranging for skills assessments to help identify what further training they will need to regain their qualification, the spokesperson said. This retraining is at no cost to the student. The Australian Education Union Deputy Federal Secretary Pat Forward said vocation had lost its right to receive any further Victorian government funding. The evidence is there of problems within that company and I think it's a question that has to be thrown back onto the regulator, Mr Forward said. Can the department with any confidence hold their hands on their hearts and say students who enrol in vocation are going to get the quality of delivery and service they require? Law firm Morris Blackburn is pursuing a class action against vocation. It will allege the company misled the stock market by failing to notify investors that it was repaying almost $20 million to the department. What a mess. What an absolute mess. How would anyone allow this to happen? Morris Blackburn, a form of lawyers, are going to get the money back. Not for the kids, not for the students, not for the people who went through. They're going to get the money back for the shareholders. And if there has to be retraining and it's not going to be at the expense of the students, who's it going to be at the expense of? Is it going to be the company? No. It's going to be at the expense of taxpayers. The taxpayers paid for this in the first place. It's your money, it's my money that got paid to vocation to give substandard training to these people, who some of whom are working, some of whom want to work if they don't have a job, and they found that what they've got is worth less. So it was... The taxpayers made that pay for this in the first place, and now it's the taxpayers' money that's got to fix it up. Can someone please explain to me, please explain to me, why privatising education is a good thing? Why subcontracting out to a private firm is a good thing? Now, I don't care if that private firm has God in the title. I don't care if that private firm is tax-exempt because it has God in the title. I don't care if that private firm is a for-profit corporation listed on the stock exchange which have shareholders employing Morris Blackburn to get their money back because they've been incompetent. I don't care about any of those things because the system is broken. The system doesn't work because, and it's a very fundamental thing, Any private education system, be it a religious-based one or a free market listed on the stock exchange one, or even if it's both, is not accountable. It is an opaque structure, so you cannot account. And so this problem that these students have, they've spent the money, we've spent the money, they've got a qualification which is now worthless. This cannot happen. Structurally, it does not happen in a state-run TAFE college. If that happened in a state-run TAFE college, it it will be picked up in the first instance, and those students would not be allowed out of that college unless their qualification was worth worth something. Because that's what happens when you have an accountable system. And as soon as you start sub-subcontracting out education, these problems are inevitable. It's absolutely disastrous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And there are very few countries in the world that allow this to happen because they know it's a stupid thing to do. 
think this is very interesting. I used to work in a thing called TAFE services in the Department of Education. And TAFE services was about curriculum construction. Uh, when TAFE came under, when technical education was under the Education Department of Victoria, everything that was done in a TAFE college, and Bush Ranger principles aside, was known about and uh, the curriculum were very strictly uh, followed through and they were drawn up within the department itself. Um, this private-public partnership, private contracting, has led, as you've said, to a mess. But it's worse than that. It's actually corruption. Of course. It's actually lack of accountability for public money and public services. Oh, I just think it's lucky that it was picked up sometime after it had finished. I mean, it's very, I think it's astounding that someone's actually had the guts to say that what's going on is now in the public gaze. Those sorts of things in the future, I might be, um, what did they call it? Not, not on sea matters, which we can't talk about, in class matters, which can't be spoken about. Who knows? I'm being so Commercial in confidence, they call it. I think they do. Um, we've been listening to the Dogs Program here on 855 on the AM dial, and it's been lovely to have your company. There's a lot going on, as you can tell. We filled up the hour with some very interesting facts, figures, and obviously opinions about what's going on, and we'll have to continue with that because the struggle is long, and we have not yet won, so we must come back to fight once more in defence of government schools. So until then, it's bye for now. Bye for now. I dreamed I saw Joe here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. I'm standing by my bed They framed you on a murder charge Says Joe, but I ain't dead Says Joe, but I ain't dead The copper bosses killed you, Joe They shot you, Joe, says I Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe, I didn't die, says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill. On to organize, went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there you find your hill. It's there you find. I 
Yeah. 